Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey friends, welcome to the Tennis and Bagels podcast. This is your co-host, Vonch. Hope you all are enjoying the holidays, um, having a great time. There's not much tennis going on right now, but uh, we have a very special episode today. Uh, we are going to do a 2020 wrap-up and talk about some awards uh, for this short tennis season that we've we've just gone through. Uh, joining me is the usual host, the man behind the podcast, Andre. Andre, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. And excited to be uh, talking about the 2020 year, even though it wasn't as exciting. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that pretty much sums it up. And and uh, proud to welcome our our new future 2021 uh, co uh, member of the team of Tennis and Bagels, uh, Owen Lewis. Uh, and if you guys haven't listened to the the previous episode where Owen shares his tennis journey. Uh, I suggest you do that right away because that's a that's a must listen ep- episode. But um, Owen, how are how are the holidays treating you? Um, it's been great. Um, it's been nice to spend some time with family. And uh, thanks for recommending that previous episode. That was a lot of fun to record, and I'm excited to be back here for another episode. Mm. Yeah, perfect. So I guess um, I, I mean before we start, I guess we're going to start with um, the women's tennis. Uh, in 2020, which certainly delivered from a performance stand, uh, from a performance standpoint, we got in the three majors uh, with the Australian uh, U.S. Open and French, and plenty of other tournaments. Uh, tournaments were played, and um, you know, I think the WTA did a really good job hosting these hosting these tournaments in a difficult time for all the players. And I think there's actually quite a bit of good material that we can we can delve into with the with the awards, and we have a, a set of car- categories that we can go through today. Uh, my first category is the Player of the Year. Now, um, this award was actually given to Sophia Kennan, but there were some quite a few worthy nominees in here as well, with um, Simona Halep, Naomi Osaka, players like Victoria Azarenka, Arena uh, Sabalenka who pulled off a nice stretch at the end of the year, and then Iga Sviantek with her French Open run tear. So, uh, you know, what do you guys think about this list? And were you surprised at all that it went to Sophia Kennan? Um, oh, yeah. Not not surprised. Uh, I think she was really um, impressive, like throughout the year. It's easy because of the five month break that we had, like to sort of forget um, um, that the Australian Open was still in twenty twenty and that she won it like against um, very very high quality players. Uh, never forget the incredible game down law forty and just hits whatever, four or five straight winners and just takes, steals the game away from Magrusa, like a two-all, I believe, in the in the third set. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, 
didn't do quite as well during the off season, the forced off season in those uh, exhibition tournaments. Had a couple weird losses, but honestly, those are exhibition matches and it doesn't really matter. But when it came time to really pull off, uh, you know, come out of the gates firing, um, she did so, and she she really played well. She reached the finals in Rolling Arrows, and uh, I think this is quite an impressive feat in 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 itself. Uh, she did lose to Sviatek, but. Um, her game, having won in uh, in Australia, um, transitioning to fast court to slow courts from fast courts, really, uh, really just proves that Cannon has lots of potential to improve and maybe even come out and win more slams in in the next uh, seasons. And so I think she was definitely the player of this year, probably the most talked about. Obviously, she didn't she didn't have much more opportunities to. Uh, show more of her game this year definitely because of uh, the covid situation and lots of tournaments got canceled also in the end of the season because they had like an asian swing um, to an asian stretch to finish the season the wta finals being the main one that got canceled um so yeah it's, it's a little sad that we didn't have to get to see more of her especially in this year since she is the player of the year but she's she's pretty deserving from from what 2020 was really yeah I, I agree completely i think she was the only player to make she was the only player on the wta to make two major finals in 2020 it bodes really well for her future that she made she won the australian open on hard courts and then transitioned well to the clay like andre said uh she did lose in straight sets to igos fiontek but everyone else did too at roland garros so i don't think obviously it would be a painful loss for her she's very competitive and she's at the highest level but in terms of going forward and her career in general i don't think that's going to be that painful of a loss in retrospect i think this category really has to come down to the players who won majors in 2020 so that would be kenan Sfiontek, and naomi osaka and between multiple majors, Kennan was definitely the most consistent in making multiple major finals. So I definitely think this award went to the right player. Yeah, very well said by both of you there. And, and uh, you know, I completely agree. Completely agree with both of you. That I think if you look at the whole year as a whole, I think, you know, this award sometimes, uh, the reason why people may have differing opinions and we see dif- see a different argument for every player it's because it depends on what you value at the end of the day, right? I mean, do you value one really awesome two-week stretch uh, that's very dominant, but that's two weeks out of 52 in the whole year? Or do you value consistency across multiple surfaces, across all the all, all the slams, you know, backing that result up and showing that you can be a force, uh, a force to reckon with and kind of ride that over time? And I think that's what, that's what Kenan did so well. I mean, you look at the three slams, she went 16 and 2. Um, and and she she also won a title in Lyon after the after winning the Australian Open, so proved that um, she was kind of having really good form. And it was unfortunate that Indian Wells and Miami really got cancelled because I, I remember thinking mm-hmm. like, you know, wow, that's unfortunate. I, I think she could she could have really carried that momentum mm-hmm. through that swing. And then the thing that really stood out to me most was um, post U.S. Open, she takes a six love six love defeat to Victoria Azarenka. And then to somehow put that behind her and, to, you know, to lose love and love like that is just unheard of. Um, and and then go on the tear that she did uh, at Roland Garros, which was winning a lot of competitive three-set matches all the way and and then get to the final and push Sriantek pretty hard in that first set. 
Um, I thought it really just showed her feistiness and her competitiveness. And of course, that one game at 2 all uh, in the third set where she had five straight winners and then um, and then really just took control of the match uh, and left Muguruza in the dust. So I thought that was really, really impressive. And then some of the other nominees uh, with Osaka and Azarenka, I think if there was a category for like person of the year, um, I think mm. Osaka might win that. Just yeah, sure. based on her her on and her on on court and off court performance uh, with the three weeks and uh, doing what she did, fighting for uh, social injustice um, in the United States, and mm. just taking that stand and you know really having to win, to, having to win to really prove prove that she was she was worthy of that uh, of that status as kind of uh, as kind of you know talked about with Billie Jean and uh, you know players like. Arthur Ashe as being like an activist for tennis. And I think she really proved that to herself. And that's a lot of pressure, you know, to say I have seven masks and I'm going to win, you know, every single match. And she, she, mm-hmm. she did that. So I think, uh, you know, that was a, but I, but to me, she, she isn't the player of the year. I think the player of the year is deservedly, deservedly canon. And I think just another shout out is also Simona Halep. She did make a one slam semifinal and, you know, won a lot of matches throughout the whole year. And, you know, a couple of titles. I remember she won Rome and she was stopped by the train, which was Fiontech. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, she could have easily made the Australian Open final as well, mm-hmm. losing a really tight match to Muguruza in the semis. So I think she had a really, really good season and she's been super consistent for the last, you know, six, seven years, really, Halep. Yeah. In the top five. So Yeah, I think she'll be in contention for majors next year. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, so I mean, yeah, I mean, mean, I'm not yeah. sure if I'm jumping the gun here, but like you mentioned, like person of the year, but like uh, seeing the sportsmanship awards is, is being voted by players also. But it's kind of surprising that Osaka wasn't that person. <laughs> I, I think she doesn't she behaves herself pretty, pretty well on, on court. I've never really seen her like doing something that's not really um, unsportsmanlike or sportswoman-like, if mm. you will. <clears throat> Sorry, um, but yeah, I feel like if if there was there were an award that she'd she'd win, uh, you'd be that one probably. Um, yeah, there was there's one in the ATP that is uh, would be more fitting, I would say. But like for for intents and purposes, I think the play awards this one is the one that like would fit the bill the most. And in terms of um, rankings, I think it's interesting that uh, for example, um, the ATP the player of the year was Novak Djokovic, but in in which who's the number one? Wait, oh, was he player of the year? Yeah. yeah. Or is yeah. that such a thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think the I mean, WTA does that a little differently where, you know, they yeah, don't just give it to the number one player. But yeah, yeah. but that, it's, a, it's a different thing. I find like from it, it, I think it makes more sense in the WTA if that's the case, because, well, yeah. Ashley Barty couldn't have been player of the year because she's only number one because of the protected rankings. Right, right. And, uh, well, Simona Halep didn't win a Grand Slam. And Owen, I think you said it pretty wide, that, right, that you would have to be um, among players who have won slams unless they only won a slam and then they lost like every first round right. and for the rest of the year, which has probably never happened before. So, and Osaka did really well uh, in, um, in the U.S. Open and Cincinnati and New York, if you will, like the U.S. and Southern mm-hmm. Open. But aside from that, she, she wasn't necessarily the most uh, consistent player. So I feel like, when you look at the the year 2020 it definitely makes sense that while um canon is behind halep and osaka and Barty, she is very deserving of that award i would say yeah um i think i think we all agree that it's canon 
So mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, moving on, I think this is an interesting category, which is yeah. uh, which is the most improved player. Because I don't want to say that Iga Sviantek was not uh, talked about because, you know, she certainly was. I remember going to Wimbledon and watching her win the junior girls title. And, uh, you know, as a 17-year-old at the time, and I thought it was, you know, incredibly impressive. But she was not on my radar as one of the players certainly going in to uh, pull off the French Open run that she had. And for her to, you know, pretty much outside the top 60 to come in and then, you know, win the French Open, losing as many, losing like a handful of games to really, really good players, you know, along the way. Uh, It was just stunning. Uh, I, I just, I still can't wrap my head around, you know, the two weeks that I saw from her. So I think, you know, she deservedly won this award, but there were a lot of other really, really well deserving contenders as well with with Jennifer Brady and you know you can argue mm-hmm. that Brady played you know probably the match of the year in the semis against Osaka mm-hmm. um you know pretty much out of nowhere and her story is really uh, captivating as well you know going to Germany in the off season and really coming from nowhere she had great wins to start off the year I remember she beat Barty she beat how she pushed how up at the Australian Open she she beat Muguruza she had really really impressive wins to start the year and then she kind of carried that, uh, you know, after the layoff, which I thought was really impressive. And then you have players like Fiona Farrell, who had that Palermo title mm-hmm. run, and then Anstrupur and Rabakina. So I think these are all well-deserving nominees. But I think uh, I think you guys would also agree that, you know, Sviantek uh, was a well-deserving winner here. Yeah, I, I definitely think she deserves the award the most. Um, she won Roland Garros without dropping a set. The last time that happened on the WTA was Serena Williams at the 2017 Australian Open. So it's been over three years. This is a pretty astonishingly high peak that she's hit. And I think she was barely inside the top 50 when the year started. So th- that is just a massive jump. So I think most improved is very, very well deserved. But I think Brady and Farrow were also good candidates. Uh, like you said, Fonch, Brady took part in like a really stunning display of ball striking with na- eventual champion Naomi Osaka at the U.S. Open uh, ended up losing that match, but she accounted for herself very, very well. It was competitive. It was great quality. And uh, Fiona Farrow performed really, really well at Palermo. I watched most of that tournament, and she she was basically just shredding her competition. Um, it was like Sviantek-esque uh, in terms of her domination. Um, she was hitting her forehand incredibly well. Uh, she's on the smaller side, but she's got a ton of power. She returned very well. Uh, I thought that was a really impressive win. And I think I think she went to the fourth round at Roland Garros and lost to Kennan, yeah. which, um, which is a pretty, pretty good performance. Um, and I think in the future she can look to go deep at Roland Garros as well. But yeah, overall, I think um, Sviantek getting the most improved award is... Uh, very appropriate. Mm. I, w- I would tend to agree. I think the only thing about most improved is, is essentially it can become a, a bit of a more difficult thing of like, how do you actually come to, you know, define this? Um, because, well, it, a player that comes up to win a Grand Slam, I mean, she she it's not that she came out of nowhere, nowhere, absolutely. But like... Um, Aside from then, like I wasn't necessarily sure if she was much on my radar, but definitely winning a Grand Slam makes you improve from wherever you were before to winning a Grand Slam. So now you're a Grand Slam champion. It's all, not only that, but it's her first um, title of the year. So I think it's very appropriate. You could contest that. I feel like it's it'd be 
it'd be reasonable to say, oh, maybe somebody else would be the actual um, most improved player award for like consistency throughout the season. Um, but that's, that's definitely a difficult season to tell. So I, I really don't have a problem with most improved uh, going to her. I just feel like he, he was probably a much closer call than he, he, than he was for, for example, the, the first award, which was the, the player of the year. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it was close. And then you you know you just look at the look at the run that she had. I mean, to be to play the the runner up in the first round, you know, von Drusova of of last year and crush her six one six two. I remember you know just looking at that result like thinking that was a mistake. And then she goes on. She just continues. I mean, she beat Bouchard. She beat. She absolutely destroyed Halep, who was in you know vintage form heading into the. You know, people were. I remember there she were articles out that, yeah. that, you know, Halep is probably a bigger favorite than Nadal, which is insane. But, like, you know, she then backs that up and then beats, like, two qualifiers and Trevisan and Podoroska. And then, you know, just completely handles Kennan and just, you know, didn't flinch at all. And she had so many chances, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Kennan did have an injury in her leg, but still, though, like, nothing yeah, to take away I mean, from Triatek. She just never really took the, her foot off of the... <laughs> the gas so yeah like she played with pretty remarkable poise i think when it's your first time going that deep in a major it's very easy to lose focus and she never did she never dropped a set and in that final the first set against kennan was tight and then the second set i think kennan opened with a break and then sviantek reeled off six straight games uh forehand winner on championship point so like not really much more to say there it was it was a really really impressive performance all around yeah, it was a really good run for sure. You know, and I just look at her game, and I just think it's it's sustainable, and it can you know it can transfer to all surfaces. Like I can see her mm-hmm. winning Wimbledon someday, and she's already a junior champion. And for her to, you know, many times we see a player like pull off a stunning win, stunning upset, and then really disappoint in the next round. And yeah. I thought, you know, for her when her target when the target was on her back, and you know having having beat Halep the way she did, losing just three games, and suddenly she becomes the 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 odds-on favorite to win the title, you know, and then to do it so convincingly the next three rounds, it was just, I mean, it, it was just stunning. I have really no comparison to it other than when I saw, like, Ostapenko do it three years before, but, you know, everything, you know, that was more of a mm. fluke run, if I'm being honest, so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was thinking about that one, too. I think the one that reminds me the most in terms of, uh, I think, similarity in in that, in that regard it would be uh, Gustavo Kirtin back in 19, 1997 mm-hmm. when he won uh, Roland Garros as well. Right, in 97. Um, That's true. Yeah, and he was, a pretty, he was a pretty giant killing run as well. Like, he'd be, like, top, three, top five seeds, um, defending champion Kafanikov in the, uh, I guess, quarterfinals or semifinals of the tournament. So, yeah. and it was all back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So, that is a... And, in, in, all, in all honesty, like, Kirtin also had a game that could translate it to fast courts as well back in uh hard courts he was unfortunate from injury and one and whatnot but uh he ended up becoming one of the best players of his generation and yeah. year number mm-hmm. one uh you know got all of the stuff and won another two rolling girls i can't see shriatek following a very similar path in her future she does have all the shots and i think she she does have a game that could probably even m- more easily be translated into a uh, faster courts um than curtains was and with uh, technology today and the coaching and things like that, she can have a very uh, a much longer career as well. So I think she she has a really bright future. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree yeah, with both of you sure. guys. I think her game is um, 
able to translate onto the different surfaces, but at the very least, I think she will definitely win Roland Garros again. She did it with such ease. She's so young, and sometimes when a player wins their first major, the pressure can build on them to repeat that performance, Mm -hmm. but it can also build confidence and kind of build knowledge in the player once they know what it takes to win at the highest level. So I think multiple more Roland Garros titles are coming for Sviantec and possibly other majors as well. Yeah. Yeah, I really love the spin forehand. So so beautiful to watch. It's it's an amazing shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she has a really well-rounded game, you know, all-court craft. Uh, I think the surf can get a little better maybe, but she's got, Mm. you know, great forehand and and great backhand precision on that wing is on the forehand is just, uh, it's beautiful to watch. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was looking up something else uh, just before I started re- started recording this podcast, and I, I discovered that in 1994, uh, Martina Hingis, uh, I'm sorry, Mary Pierce, um, Mary Pierce dropped just 10 games en route to the French Open final. <laughs> and she ended up losing in the final to Sanchez Vicario, 6-4, 6-4. Man. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. But Pierce I mean, did, she's... did win uh, the French Open, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. Uh, yeah. Pierce, Pierce has won two majors before, but, oh. uh, you know, I mean, 10 games en route to the final. I mean, and yeah. she, she crushed Steffi Graf, like, two and two, and this was, like, peak Steffi Graf almost in 94. I like, yeah, I like <laughs> to think of it in, in, in this way. 10 games is not enough to lose a match. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then she loses six four six four in the final, so she dropped just twenty two games all tournament. And here's Fiontek winning twenty eight, you know, losing twenty eight games and you know beating like you know three really good champions in doing so. Yeah, I think Fiontek will like uh, her spread of games lost uh, more than Pierce. Um, <laughs> Pierce lost fewer, but too many of them were in one place. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, stunning and. and- you know, moving on, I guess. This is well, one of the, the awards. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't know if you have the, if you want to talk about it, but like she also, uh, honorable mention, she's a fan favorite too. <laughs> uh, Following in the footsteps Fiontech. of, uh, yeah, Azarenka, uh, not Azarenka, but um, Radvanska. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she she seems like such a lovely, uh, a lovely young, unassuming girl, you know? Mm, when you hear yeah. her talk in her press conferences, uh, you know, afterwards and, yeah, she just she just seems so you know unbothered by it all, unfazed, yeah. and yeah, uh, you know you just hope that with so many of these WTA players now, you just you just hope that they're able to carry that momentum. And we see a cluster of players, and we see these rivalries with Ken and Halep Osaka. I mean, Halep's still you know much older now, twenty eight, twenty nine, but mm-hmm. the young players coming up with your Sviantek's, Kennens, you know, Andrescu if she stays healthy, and you know, there's just there's just a great crop of young girls that I think really can win. A lot of majors. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited for the upcoming several years on the WCA. And to touch on the fan favorite, yeah. I think um, this doesn't come as a huge surprise to me. I think besides having yeah. a very um, attractive game to watch, um, Sviantek, um, she comes across as very humble and just a very nice person in general. She was pretty open about her admiration for Rafa Nadal. And I remember she also, um, Djokovic, wished her good luck on Twitter before the final or he congratulated her. Um for winning the title and she just responded and said like thank you so much like good luck in the final even though she was an adult fan and that um that struck me as very nice and so i think she resonates with a lot of fans um yeah yeah Yeah. well said um i think the next category sportsmanship award i actually um you know i i didn't know who the nominees were in this 
in in for this for this category, but I feel like uh, this was this was won by Czech Republic's Maria Buskova, and this was vo- this this award is essentially voted by her peers on the tour, mm. and it, it seems like a lot of the players think that she conducts herself you know, really well and shows a lot of respect and is very gracious on and off the court. But, uh, seems like, uh, seems like, yeah, she won, she won this award. So, um, yeah, I don't have much to add on, on, add on her, but. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's pretty clear that her peers hold her in high esteem because, um, looks like on the WTA website, uh, Petra Kvitova won this award for the last seven years in a row. So, um, yeah, yeah so Buskova is clearly, um, like, very sportsmanlike. Yeah. I mean, I only have one thing to say about this, is that um, this isn't something that is easy to see from a, a fan perspective, because uh, it's behaving on and off court, so yeah. uh, the players, they, they hang around with them much mm-hmm. more often, they... Uh, they know them, even if it's not like necessarily a friendship, but they, they're acquaintances and they, they know each other. They know how they behave. They know like what are they like in the locker room, which would be probably like the most personal that they can get like on, on tour. So if the players voted her, I would take it. Like I, I would definitely look at this person and be like, huh, that's, that's interesting. Maybe I should watch more of her in, from that regard. See, like if, because it, one of the things that this uh, shows is that she earned the respect not from the fans, not from like her TV persona, but like from herself, just being herself on tour. She earned the respect of her peers. And I think this is also a really interesting um, aspect of a player that you can show to um, uh, youngsters who are, um, um, you know, uh, aspiring tennis players or uh, people who are uh, already in, in the training camps, like to become uh, professionals or whatever. I think it's really interesting to to look at those players and you know try to base try to mirror their their behaviors at least on court, which is what we can see. But like, I mean, um, it's pro- also one of the things that made me earn that made me respect Rafa Nadal a lot because he he yeah. does um, he he is a sportsman uh, he is the the, um, the recipient of the sportsmanship award and uh, he really never done anything from my perspective that made him not deserve it. So uh, even though I don't know much about Mary Buskova, I'll take this and just, you know, I'll take it. You know, it's, I'm pretty sure she deserves it. Like there's absolutely nothing that I can say um, about it. (laughs) You know, it's, this is it. It's a, it's already a credibility thing that you get. I feel like this is a credibility award more than anything else in a sense. Yeah, I agree with Andre. I think it being, um, her being elected by or voted on by the her fellow players is uh, all the validation I need. Um, like you said, Andre, um, as fans, we only really get to see a player's tennis and how they behave in press conferences. And besides that, they can really kind of show choose what they show to the fans. And I think there's much less of a filter between player and player than between player and fan. So if her fellow players mm-hmm. decided that she was the most sportsmanlike, um, that's more than good enough for me. Yeah. Uh, got nothing to add. I think uh, it seems like she's very she's very well liked uh, by on the tour, and you know, looking forward to see what she does in twenty 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 one. Uh, yeah, results wise, and watching her play. So, yeah, keep my eyes on her yeah. as well. So yeah, um, I guess the the next uh, category I wanted to get to was newcomer of the year. This is kind of like like a player that makes leaps and bounds in terms of you know it, this player 
it's someone who just comes out of nowhere and really grabs your attention. And I think the nominees in this uh, in this category were Lele Annie Fernandez from Canada, uh, Nadia Podoroska, who got to the semifinals of the French, and uh, you know mostly played ITFs and uh, and uh, mostly played uh, on the ITF circuit uh, for the, for a large part of the year. And uh, but then you have Anne Lee and Martina Trevisan, who of course had that great run as well at Roland Garros, really. And you know they gave this one to Podoroska and. You know, while I think that was, while I do think she is a deserving winner, in that she made the semis of, uh, she she made the semis of the French Open, broke into the top fifty. She's twenty three years of age, um, you know, had some had some had some nice wins. She beat Svitolina um, at the French. You know, I just don't know if she's going to be able to replicate that, and it, and whether it whether that run really caught everyone's attention the same way as. For instance, I would have actually personally, I would have gone with Lila Annie Fernandez in this category. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching her play at the start of the year, I remember when she made the final in uh, Acapulco, and you know had some had some big wins there. She beat Svitolina. She has she was really, you know, she's really mature and poised for her age. She's only seventeen. Yeah, she's only yeah, seventeen, exactly. eighteen years old from Canada. And you know, at first I was I was skeptical about her because I thought you know she's pretty small in size you know how is she going to be able to generate the mm. the racket head acceleration and power and the serve is such a big part of the game today as well even on the women's tour and you know she completely proved me wrong because it seems like she has great iq great court court craft and i and you know i watched her play petra kovitova in the third round of the french open and she was 5-1 up and and lost but i mean that was a great match so i think you know i think and, and for her to be you know ranked where she is now in in the top 90 i think her future is actually really bright and so personally you know while Podoroska, that was one really great run at the french open you know ap- apart from that i haven't seen her really replicated on all surfaces and uh, across the whole year you know in general and so i, I think i would have actually given it to fernandez uh, on this one hmm. Yeah, I I think I would agree on the basis of age mostly because uh, Podoroska, yeah, she's been she's been there for a while. She's yeah, she's only twenty three. Like she's not an old player, so you would probably award this for like maybe a thirty year old. Like I think it would be like maybe a little too much uh, if they just came up like from qualifiers and reached the the semifinals. Like how much they can make. Um, So I feel like there is, in a sense, um, a hope of a promise that she's. She's going to become um, a better player. That she's going to actually, you know, rise right. further in the rankings. Um, but I would say she 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 is a deserving recipient as well. Just yeah. maybe because of um, partially the the shortened season may have had an influence on that one. Um, and I think the the things that she achieved are probably a little bit bigger than what Fernandez did. Fernandez is kind of showing a lot of potential she's losing a little bit of uh, those matches that she could have won uh and that's where i think the difference lies is that podoroska is winning those matches uh reaching the semifinals of a grand slam was no easy task and maybe next year uh fernandez could be the winner of this if she is a nominee she's nominated again or you know i feel like she still has a, a great path uh before her but i i would definitely see how um, you could name how she could have won it instead. Uh, she, I, I seem to remember. I think she played uh, when uh, when the tour came back. Um, yeah, uh, she played Sabalenka, I think, and he was, I believe, in three sets. 
So it was it was a really good match, and Sabalenka was actually quite frustrated. So um, she came out um, with the win at the end. I'm not sure if I'm talking about something that didn't actually happen, but I'm I'm fairly certain it did did it. So uh, yeah, yeah, she had some big wins when she came back from from the from the restart. She played uh, she beat Sloane Stephens. She had uh, I don't think she played Sabalenka, but you no know. Way. Uh, but uh, I think, uh, I, I think yeah. I mean, your your point is pretty valid. Uh, you know, I can I can see why they gave it to Podoroska with that semifinal run, uh, and she is in the top fifty. So yeah, I think Podoroska is definitely a deserving winner of this because starting the year from outside the two fifty, outside the top two fifty, and going and ending it as um, a Roland Garros semifinalist is just a massive jump. But I would. I would agree with you, Vonch, and say that uh, Fernandez is probably the more promising player. I think her being 17, um, that gives her six years before she reaches the age that Podoroska is now. And so she has a lot of time to improve. And I think, like, blowing the 5-1 lead to Kvitova, uh, Kvitova is a seasoned champion. Um, and especially at a young age, when that level of mental discipline uh, hasn't quite been reached yet, those, those kinds of blown leads are going to happen. And as she... Yeah further develops her game and gets more experience playing against the top players that mental discipline will start to form and that those kinds of chokes will grow fewer and fewer um so i think she has a lot to look forward to and and you could argue that she would win the award for maybe most promising youngster yeah um yeah yeah i think that's what i think that's well said i look forward to what both these players do do next year and see if uh, fernandez can really carry that momentum you know yeah uh, into the next season because she's still so so young she has a lot of promise a lot of time ahead of her yeah and uh, you know i really like her game and she's lefty as well uh and i think uh she's she's going to be a threat maybe next year yeah I, i'm really looking forward to tour. seeing um which wca players kind of rise to prominence next i remember seeing a match in early 2019 i think it was acapulco and it was andrescu and kennan and um and i had no idea at the time that um they would win Back to back majors, uh, one for each of them, right. like at the end of 2019 and the start of 2020. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to see what happens next with the WTA tour. And I think um, I think with all the talent, there's there are some really really great years ahead. Yeah, and I was just looking at the stats. I mean, Fernandez went 20 and 10 on the year. That's really yeah. good. I mean, that's like a yeah. she's winning two thirds of her matches. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these matches, she was the underdog going and, you know, not expected to win at all. Mm-hmm. So so I see the really good performances on Hard and Clay, and I feel pretty encouraged. So uh, I think that was a good category, uh, Newcomer of the Year. Yeah, I think also um, as a 17-year-old, 20 and 10 is a particularly good record. And I think that's also a pretty high volume of matches to be playing, especially with the shortened schedule um, for her age. So I think she'll be... Uh, building endurance pretty quickly as well so um th- that stat i think is really encouraging yeah i'd like to add i think her biggest win this year for fernandez was the um a match she played in davis uh, in fed cup mm-hmm. uh, after the australian open where she just she beat uh, belinda benchich quite handily mm-hmm. who was five in the world at the time yeah i mean a, a I top five a top, top five win at 17 years old is great yeah yeah mm. Also, by the way, I just I, I'm just seeing here. I I, I was mistaken. It wasn't Sabalenka. It was Shelby Rogers, which, right, to right. whom she lost in the in the fourth round of uh, Lexington in the United mm-hmm. States. So it was a it was a six two seven five loss. But I remember the second set. She had chances. That she could have taken it. Yeah. But yeah. 
Yeah, and I think again, you know, I think the experience will these leads that she's blowing. I think the experience will it just comes with experience. I think she. Yeah, yeah for mm-hmm. sure. This is really this was really her first year on the WTA tour. I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, so this was. Uh, you know, the next category is comeback player of the year, and for me, this is actually a no-brainer. Uh, Victoria Azarenka. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. I mean. She, I mean, this was before coming into this. I mean, coming into 2020, I think she was on like, a, she hadn't won a match in 12 months or something uh, heading into Cincinnati because she hadn't won a match before the restart. And, you know, she's 31 years old. She had she had great runs in 2012 and 2013. I mean, she was basically the next best, best player after Serena. She was mm-hmm. number one in the world for 50 weeks. I mean, she she at one point she was she was the best player seven eight years ago and for her to for her to come back the way she did and you know reach the u.s open final and win cincinnati i mean or get to the final but you know you know depending on yeah the circumstances but Mm. uh you know i mean just stunning and one of the best matches i've seen uh, in the semifinals when she beat serena yeah so i think she's a really well-deserving winner of this award yeah i agree and being a mom as well and you know, everything just fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her win over Serena at the U.S. Open was one of the most impressive wins of the year by anyone in my mind. Um, in 2012, they played in the final, and Azarenka served for the match at 5-4, five, five, I think. And she got broken at 15, mm-hmm. ended up losing the match. And here, uh, she served for it again in the third. And while she didn't end up winning the tournament, she did serve it out success- successfully. And so I thought she sort of exercised her U.S. Open demons in that sense, uh, weathered like the storm from Serena, who played a pretty amazing set to win the first 6-1, and then went on to win the match. And she was up, was she up a set and a break against Osaka? Uh, yeah, she was She was a set and a break up, I, so, yeah. I mean, that was some of the best tennis Osaka's ever played, really, yeah. those last two yeah, sessions. Yeah, so while Azarenka didn't win a major, she I think she exhibited the level necessary to win a major, even if she wasn't able to close the deal. So I think if she can replicate that next year, um, it's certainly within her grasp to win another major title. Yeah, for sure. And I remember yeah, I, actually watching yeah. like the first tournament that came back uh, on the WTA circuit was like was that tournament in Lexington, right, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And she lost that match to Venus Williams, and she looked like a shell of a player. Yeah, she lost. She, she lost six three six two to Venus Williams in Lexington in the first round. And then I, you know, I was not expecting her to get to the finals in, in Cincinnati and perform the way she did. I mean, just it seemed like she just was able to flip a switch and it just came back. But really, we know it's not that simple. And she was able to, you know, find that mindset and inner belief uh, and and calmness where I think she legitimately thought about retiring. You know, yeah. uh, we we mm. saw earlier before the lockdown. It's easy to forget. We saw Sharapova retire. We saw Wozniacki retire. Mm. You know that crazy day at the Australian Open where Wozniacki retires, Serena loses to Wong. We have that Coco Golf Osaka match, and then the epic Milman Federer match. I mean, I still remember that day, and it feels like ages ago. Yeah, like a that, Wednesday, that day five or something at the Australian Open, where it's just there was just upset after upset after chaos. Mm. I mean, it was yeah. just. And then to see Azarenka perform like this, and then bagel Sophia Kennan, like double yeah. bagel her, the, the player of the year on yeah. clay off off all the surfaces on clay, like literally the next day after losing to Osaka, like yeah. stunning, stunning. Yeah. Like this was I mean, si- yeah, seriously. Uh, it 
it's it has to be comeback player of the year as well because yeah, as you, you put it really well, like she she took a really bad loss against uh, Venus, and I think when I was watching that match and I was seeing like the results and things like that, I was having like Andy Murray vibes yeah. from her. Like I didn't think she was going to be able to make anything happen in her career anymore, except for like just be there for a bit for a little longer and just decide to retire. But she was really impressive in Cincinnati. Well, in New York, uh, Southern and Western and Southern Open. Right, yeah. And t look, you can look at it either way. You can say, oh, well, well, she, she won the tournament because Osaka um, re uh, retired before the match, so she gave her a walkover. Or you can see it as what I think it is, is that Azarenka made it all the way to the final yeah, you know, and so if she 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 was deserving, or at least being there, so so she was deserving of lifting the trophy For because sure. she was already in the final. Uh, and you see, like I, I guess if you if you put it like in the if you compare and contrast between the U.S. Open final, I think it's very possible that this match, even if they had played it, it could have turned out into Azarenka's favor. I mean, I, you never possible, know. Like yeah. even the U.S. Open could have turned out in in her favor. Obviously, Osaka was definitely the superior player for the last two sets, but you know. Um, and coming to the US Open, the Serena Williams match versus Azarenka had so much anticipation to it, yeah. um, and it was probably like one of the the best stretches of the season. That the double semifinal of Brady uh, Osaka and uh, Azarenka Williams oh, yeah. was probably one of the best lines up uh, of the entire yeah. year for uh, women's tennis, and it was just amazing. Um, I was so excited for her. Like I was, I was watching her, and I was thinking for me, for myself, like, may man, Azarenka really needs a win against against serena i think she if, if she didn't beat serena there i don't think she would have had uh much more belief i feel like the win over serena really um puts her you know i, I guess uh owen just put it like really perfectly is like exercise her demons in the in the in the serena williams um juggernaut that she could not overcome obviously serena williams is not exactly paying, playing the best tennis of her career right now yeah but boy oh boy the first set yeah. was this destruction like williams played probably the best first set that she has ever played like in in years maybe so yeah, of the year i think after yeah after set. that first set it was it was hard to believe that anything could turn around for azarenka i was like oh yeah, this is yeah. over but yeah. it wasn't and then she to come up in the last game with what three big serves yeah yeah that is not really a signature azarenka so you know yeah. it was just unreal it was unbelievable so it's definitely completely deserved it's it's she's definitely the player that at the end of especially the, those two um, those three weeks really uh, she was saying hey remember me now mm -hmm. you know I'm back type of thing it's it, it really just screams that so there there's no other play for me that yeah I mean I, I don't that. even want to read the nominees because it's like I mean it, it was so obviously Azarenka that it's like yeah, yeah. I mean you know and then to to round it off I mean she made the final at the end of the year in in uh, Ostrava. Ostrava with yeah. the exclamation marks, I remember it. Ostrava. <laughs> yeah. Ostrava, you know, and she lost to yeah. Sabalenka in the final. But I mean, and I think she was injured in that match. But I mean, seriously, the consistency she showed after the, the, the consistency she had, she had all year also. I mean, 18 and 6. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good record. That's like hmm. winning three-fourths of your matches. And consider the, you know, the losses that she had, like to Venus Williams or the you know the loss at the French Open where I think she was just mentally cooked, but I mean, like it was just so great to see a player you know who had some lost years mm -hmm. and was dealing with the, a custody battle you know off the court and then to come back and 
you know, you just love to see players like that have that longevity. And I think that's what you look for. You know, you, you see a lot on the men's side and you see it on the women's side that you can have your success now, you know, in your early 30s. And, and in some ways, you know, she was playing the, you know, as good as she ever played, really. It was just a throwback to 2012 and 2013. And it's just, it was so great to see that. It was great for the women's game. It was great for, um, it was great for all the fans. It was great, you know, and, and that, that, that uh, semifinal lineup that you're talking about. I mean, I hope somebody at some point, or maybe us in ten years will relive that day at the U.S. Open, uh, that women's semifinal day. Because I mean, how could you possibly top off Osaka and Brady? And I mean, I, I don't think it topped that match, but it was it came really, really, yeah. really close to to matching that in in terms of quality. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest difference between those two matches is that we were seeing um, two veterans go against each other. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like good old days. Kind of like if you were, it, it was as if we were watching. Uh, on a semifinal, Federer versus Nadal, and on the other one would be like Tsitsipas versus uh, Medvedev. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, like um, yeah, I mean, Serena I and Azarenka was probably the more anticipated match, but then Osaka and Brady came out and played probably the match of the year, and it was like, what, how can this possibly live up to it? And like you said, Vonch, I don't think it did, but it was incredibly dramatic. Um, the last game, I think it went 30 love to 30 all, and then Azarenka came up with two big serves. And she also looks really happy to be back on the court and playing really well. I remember after she beat Serena in press, she was way more open and kind of generous with her answers than she has been in the past or like any players are really. Um, And she looks to be kind of almost more relaxed and how happy she was on the court. Like maybe now that she's back and, and playing at a high level again, the pressure is almost off in a way. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how she does at the Australian Open um, at the start of next year, um, hard court. So she's got um, she should have the confidence of her great performance at the U.S. Open and um, and that win over Kennan. Um, that double bagel shows that um, she can beat pretty much anyone. That win over Serena as well. So I I think yeah. look for her to make a deep run there. Yeah, I mean two time Australian Open champion. Yeah. She loves that. She loves those courts there. I mean mm. it would not surprise me at all if she even won the tournament like it's the, the way the wta is right now so yeah. yeah i would actually really love to see her winning another slam before she calls it a career mm-hmm. so i feel like you'd be really deserving of her yeah certainly so i mean i guess that rounds off our awards show uh, if you guys have anything else to to add some honorable mentions or anything i think we've covered mostly everything mm. um but uh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, was... I, I guess like, the, the one player that I find like a could have been a lot of these awards would have been Coco Goff, mm. but she unfortunately couldn't live much up to the expectations. But seriously, she's 16 yeah. years old, uh, yeah. so she's even younger than uh, Fernandez. So I think we have to cut her some slack. Maybe a couple of years I from think, now, yeah. she will be and... definitely winning a lot more. Yeah, she's definitely one of those players for me that I feel like the pandemic. Um, you know, really made things, it slowed down her, her mm-hmm. progress ever so slightly. Cause I think the mm. way she was progressing, you know, to get to the fourth round of the, of the U S open and beat Osaka the way she did. Okay. Osaka was not even close to her best. She was making mm-hmm. a lot of unforced errors, but still to beat her in that manner and to lose in three sets to the eventual champion yeah. and Sophia Kennan and to, I mean, fourth round Wimbledon the year before all the hype surrounding her, all the, youngest this youngest that you know 16 years old um you know 
she's she she showed what she's made of off the court as well with uh, really poised, mature. Um, you, you know the way she carries herself um, off the court, the team she has around her. You know it's not just only about what you see on the court. So I think, uh, and I do genuinely think, you know, she has the game to be a Grand Slam champion in the next two or three years. I do think her serve will improve. It will it will definitely get better. It, she seems to, uh, she she's a great fighter. She seems to have that you know championship me- mentality in those big points and. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think we'll see it if she just sorts out her second serve issues. I think uh, the sky can be the limit, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like, even though this year wasn't as big as some might have expected from her, um, not not a bad one at all in my mind. At the Australian Open, she was up a set on Ken and won a tiebreak set, who ended up winning the tournament, mm-hmm. and she did beat Osaka, who won a major this year. So while while she may not have gotten any awards, I think I. I don't think expectations for her are really going to go down that much, if at all. And I think she can um, she can keep her expectations for herself high. For sure. Yeah, I think she only has uh, she 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 can only grow from here. So I don't think she she should be upset at all about this year. As shouldn't anybody for real though. Like I feel like this year was so confusing mm-hmm. and stressful that everybody should just be patting themselves on the back and saying, "Hey, good job." Yeah, we, you, we made, you it, made through. it. Yeah, it's. It's yeah. been a tough year on on all counts. So, so with yeah. luck, hopefully 2021 will be closer to normal. Hopefully, yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think we're going to see a lot of we're going to see a lot of great things continue from these from all these players. Really, I have really high hope for all of them, and I think they're all deserving of these awards. For sure. So I think that pretty much wraps up our our, our awards show. I mean. Uh, you know, thank you everyone for listening. I hope everyone is uh, enjoying the holidays. Looking forward to some tennis uh, resumption in January. And uh, yeah, uh, great finish to the to, um, to the season. And hopefully, we'll see you all back soon. Uh, and we record our ATP version. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and don't forget to follow us on our new Twitter account at Tennis and Bagels. So, yeah. And all of the other stuff is going to be in the description of this episode as well. So, yeah. Thank you all so much. Thank yeah. you, Owen. Yeah, th- thanks, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.